You're listening to a podcast from the BMJ. Welcome to the BMJ podcast. This week we'll be hearing more about the breast cancer screening debate. When I saw the claim by uh, the Cochrane Review by Gotchke and Nielsen that breast cancer screening could be doing more harm than good, uh, it occurred to me that it would be interesting to update the Forest Report using qualies to see if that claim was true or not. But before that... It's of course BBC Radio 4's The Archers, the rural soap which has been running since 1950. The series was originally set up to provide agricultural information, but a BMJ paper this week reveals that the way it portrays health and death has also been surprisingly accurate. I spoke to Archer's editor Vanessa Whitburn to find out how they develop medical storylines. All stories, whether they're about sickness and death or or marriage or mystery thriller type stories, all of them are very organic. Um, We meet uh, once a month. I chair a meeting with about 10 or 11 writers and three or four production teams and we discuss characters in some detail. Um, We discuss them like real people. I mean, they've all got histories. We're aware of their histories. We argue about them. We gossip about them. And out of that comes organically the stories and do you have medical advisors as well we have a research producer rosemary watts whose job it is to go away and talk to advisors and experts to feed back information to our writers and indeed to to myself so that the stories are accurate and take us in different directions. I mean, one of the great and challenging things about Radio 4 audiences is they tend to be very bright, they tend to be very engaged. You can bet your life there's someone out there, if not more than one, listening who's, you know, experienced the very thing you're talking about professionally or personally and will have a point of view. But um, we've got a whole panoply of, of experts that Rose interacts with. We used to have a single um, advisor many years ago for medical matters, but uh, we don't anymore. We tend to go to, to different people uh, depending on what it is. Do you think you pay much attention to debates that are happening in the media or perhaps the public are making a fuss about? I know she had a story about ketamine fairly recently. No, my personal um, feeling is that we we shouldn't really follow the news agenda. And if you try and do a story because of an issue, and particularly because of an issue that's in the public mind at the time, I think you end up doing something rather illustrative and you know, rather late in the day as well. And also, um, it doesn't necessarily ring true because people would say, well, that's sort of stuck on the character. Rob Stepney, who's a medical writer and journalist, and also a lifelong Archers fan, carried out the analysis. He told me why. I've written uh, about the Archers, about health aspects of the Archers and where they get their medical advice from. But the idea for this piece for the BMJ started really last New Year's Day when Nigel Pardita, bless him, uh, fell off the ancestral roof. Oh, hands! Nigel! David! Nigel, hang on! Ah! Nigel! That was a very unfortunate event, and I wondered then whether the series might actually be a lot of unfortunate events strung together, and wondered whether it would be interesting to look at mortality and morbidity compared with what one would expect on the basis of national statistics. 
So what did you expect going into it? Was it your gut feeling that um, it was fairly typical? or I knew that uh, TV soaps set in urban environments, Coronation Street, uh, and EastEnders, for example, I know that the mortality rate, rate is typically very high. There was a BMJ article some years back which said that the mortality rate was greater than you'd find amongst bomb disposal experts and Formula One racing drivers. So I expected that the dramatic imperative to have uh, significant events of all kinds, including deaths and births and interesting diseases. Uh, on the other hand, I thought it possible because it's a radio soap and because it's set in, in idyllic rural Borsetshire, um, I suspected that there might be uh, a little better life expectancy for its characters. You've got quite a small number of characters. Uh, it's only 115 that we really know of in the series. So you pulled the morbidity and mortality for the last 20 years. What about the death rates? How did the Ambridge residents fare? They do pretty well. 2000, in the middle of the period that I'm interested in, the national mortality rate for men was 8.5. So 8.5 against 7.8. The, the rate of mortality in the arches was actually marginally less. And the same was true... Uh, for women, the mortality rate amongst the female archers characters worked out at 5.2 over the period that the actual national data told us that there were 5.8 deaths per thousand. So those are really fairly comparable then? Yes, well, they are, they're remarkably comparable, actually. Uh, I don't suppose that Vanessa Whitburn and the editorial advisors she was with sat down and said, right, we're going to reflect exactly the national mortality rate, but somehow that's pretty much what they've done. What about the the morbidity? What kind of spread was there here, and was this fairly typical? Yes, they. Uh, we have a couple of strokes, for example, which um, Peggy Woolley and Jack Woolley su- survived happily, and that would be reasonably typical. We've got uh, a, ra- a couple of rarities. We've got a case of juvenile chronic arthritis, and we've got... Um, Daniel's mother, Shula, who was born with a congenital, severe, serious congenital heart defects and underwent a series of operations after that. So that, again, would be a relative rarity. But if you've got even 115 people and you've got a lot of rare diseases around, then you'd expect one or two of them to crop up over a 20-year period. We, we don't sort of sit with statistics and say, let's try and match mm. this. I mean, there are things that, that there are controls. For example, we, we place... You know, bad news, death tends to be bad news in most cases. And we, we, we place them sparingly and carefully in the past where we have, you know, perhaps got it, a cluster of bad news. We will get complaints. People say, you know, I don't want to be depressed when I switch on the arches for months on end. You know, I like the mix of stories. But, I mean, there are times when actors die, um, sadly, if they've been playing a role for a very, very long time, we tend not to recast. So that, to a certain extent, is out of one's control. Mm. But um, apart from that, we do place our stories about illness and death sparingly and carefully. Have you had any notable reactions or, or feedback from audience about these medical storylines? I'm just wondering if you think they relate to them more or even more educated by them compared to high-octane TV dramas such as Brookside or EastEnders? Mm. Um, we get quite a lot of feedback, um, particularly letters, um, which indicate that people are in some way comforted uh, by our stories of long illness, I think more than, more than a sudden death. 
for example, we've had a lot of good press and feedback from our audience on the story of um, Alzheimer's that we've been running with Jack Woolley, our character, and Peggy. Because the programme is on six days a week, um, we can live in real time with this, and not many dramas can do that. And so we can dramatise the uh, gentler moments, the softer moments, the lighter moments even. And people appreciate that, especially people who are or have gone through that. It has a kind of cathartic, I think, value. And some people, of course, are coming to the problem for the first time do get information from us as well, which is, again, why we need to make sure that our research on, on, on these kind of stories is accurate and that we do point out where, where there is debate, uh, different points of view, we do point that up. Um, so, yeah, we do feel a responsibility in that because we do get letters and we do get emails that suggest and phone calls that people are very personally involved and take something away from our stories. Are there any conditions or diseases that you'd like to explore in in the future could you give us any kind of medical storyline teasers no I, I, the, 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 there's nothing particularly because we do as i say we come at it like we do with all storylines through character we touched on in the past some zoonotic diseases and illnesses you know illnesses which directly relate to the countryside or farming are always of interest to us um sometimes people do write to us and and point out things, or we meet doctors and so on casually, and they point out things. And, and then what happens is our research producer has a look at the illness, and, and we comes back to us and we talk. I think the funniest one was was when one of our actors, I'm not sure it was very funny for the actor concerned, but, um, you know, never give an actor lockjaw in radio drama. <laughs> That's what I would say, because they don't get many bookings. Oh, no. <laughs> so we tend to not do things like that too often. But, um, no, I think um, all illness is a fair game, really, when it comes to running a a long-running series. And that, of course, is one of the stories in the Christmas BMG, which will be out next week. Now, earlier this week, I talked to the author of the BMJ's latest breast cancer screening paper. I'm joined on the line now by James Raftery, who's Professor of Health Technology Assessment at the University of Southampton. Uh, he and his colleague have been looking at the Forest Report and updating it with new data. First up, could you tell us what this original Forest Report was and how that fed into the, the process of setting up breast cancer screening in the UK? The Forest Report was a review by an eminent group for the Department of Health on breast cancer screening, and it published in '86. It recommended that breast cancer screening should be introduced, and that recommendation was taken up and acted on very quickly by Margaret Thatcher. And uh, what, was, what was in that report? I mean, how did they, they go about recommending that? Well, it was one of the very first uh, reports to uh, use uh, quality-adjusted life years. It acknowledged that there were harms uh, in screening, and it took the two trials that were then available, one of which showed um, screening to reduce mortality, the other didn't. It took those two trials and used them to project forward for 15 years how many lives would be saved uh, in a cohort of 100,000 women screened versus a non-screened cohort Mm. starting at 50. 
and it estimated the, live, the number of lives saved, uh, the number of life years, and then the number of quality-adjusted life years. When I saw the claim by uh, the Cochrane Review by Gotchke and Nielsen that breast cancer screening could be doing more harm than good, uh, it occurred to me that it would be interesting to update the Forest Report using qualies to see if that claim was true or not. Sure. Now, you said that original report was uh, based on two studies that went on. Obviously, a lot's gone on since then. So what data did you include in your uh, updated version of it? There are two systematic reviews, and they both deal with the same eight trials. The first is the Cochrane Review by Gotchke and Nielsen that I think first was published in 1999, then 2002, then 2009. It provides meta-analytic estimates of the effectiveness of screening in relation to breast cancer mortality and also in relation to increased surgery. That was the source of the claim that set me off in the first place. Mm. They said to save one life, you needed to invite 2,000 women for screening. And of those 2,000, 200 would have false positives and 10 would have unnecessary surgery. So quite a simple calculation to do on the back of an envelope. Yeah. And initially I did it in the back of an envelope and thought, ooh, this, this, this looks like it could be possible. And then thought of using the, the forest report approach, but based on the, the eight trials. And when we did that, we realized that the American review, the American systematic review, which was in 2009, uh, was similar to, to, to the Cochrane Review, but slightly different in that it attempted to estimate the, the breast cancer mortality reduction by age group. And so we included a scenario in which we varied uh, the breast cancer mortality uh, reduction due to screening by age group, as suggested in that report. Okay. Now, we'll go on to that in a little bit. But you not only looked at uh, the Forest Report, including new data. You went back and looked at the quality analysis that they did originally. Well, what they did was they estimated the gain in life years, and then they applied an 8% reduction in the quality of life of those to reflect the treatment that they had. Mm. That seemed reasonable at first, but actually what it does is it assumes that the quality of life reduction only applies to women whose lives were saved. In other words, it implies that no overtreatment whatsoever. So when we looked at that again, we thought that was unreasonable, bearing in mind the figures I mentioned a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought all, all of those who had uh, surgery should have their quality of life reduced. And, and that was what we did. Okay. So initially, if we, we look at that result, what came out of that? I mean, how much did it, did it change the outcome of oh, the Oh, it, it was very striking. We include um, a, a figure in the paper which has five scenarios and uh, spread over t- 20 years. And um, if you look at, uh, at that uh, figure, the, the top line shows uh, what Forrest would have got if he had used updated data, um, but without putting in the harms. And when you put in the harms, it reduces the benefits by half uh, in terms of qualities, uh, either at 10 years or at 20 years. Mm, okay. Now, if we fast forward to, to now, when you've put all this new data in as well and reanalyzed those, those qualities, um, what did you find? 
Well, as I say, the, the starting point was um, the claim by Gotchke and Nielsen that breast cancer screening could be doing more harm than good mm. at 10 years. That, 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 that was critical. Mm. They, they were very clear that their time frame was 10. So we, my initial back of envelope calculation was just looking at 10 years. But once we decided to do it the way Forrest had done it and do it in a life table approach, you know, mm. where you have a number of women uh, alive in year one, year two, year three, stretching down to 20, you can estimate um, what the qualities are each year. And so we, did a, we, we estimated the, 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 the gains due to screening in terms of positive qualities and the losses due to screening due to false positives and unnecessary surgery uh, in terms of, of negative qualities and added the two together. And what we found, and is clear in, 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 in those graphs, and, and particularly in the additional ones we published in the sensitivity analysis in the appendix, which is on the BMJ website, yes. that negative net qualities applied for the first four, five, six, even up to seven years, depending on the scenario. That's the first number four to seven years after the introduction of screening. Mm -hmm. uh, it was generating uh, negative net qualities, i.e. doing harm. Um, and then if you take that on, on longer, um, you know, how... If the longer you take it, um, the, the, the graphs all curve upwards. So at 10 years, um, there are small positive gains due to screening, po small positive qualities. And uh, the graphs all curve upwards so that at 20 years, the gains are much greater. Um, but they're still about half what uh, they would have been if estimated by Forrest using the updated data. Okay. Um, so kind of as a bottom line, you've kind of confirmed what uh, Gottschir and people said within seven years. But if you look at a longer time period, there is a net benefit. But that benefit isn't necessarily as great as the original forest report that breast cancer screening was based on yeah that's that, that, that's correct i delete the, the qualification not necessarily it, it, it is less than estimated by forest okay. uh, by about half i mean this is quite interesting this is all feeding into the debate that's surrounding breast cancer at the moment and mike richards who's the cancer czar in the UK has announced that the breast screening program is going to be looked at again. So what do you think? How do you think this should be taken into consideration? The impetus to that review um, came from the refusal of a leading female doctor, uh, Susan Bewley, to go for a mammogram. She wrote her account of it in the BMJ. And I think a number of other very well-informed senior uh, female medics have, have taken similar positions. Um, so I think there's something really important beginning to happen there. H how will it feed into the Mike Richards review? I, I, I really can't say. I think that's, um, that's up to um, the people doing that review. But I, I would certainly hope that um, they would see the article and, and take note of the article. That's all for this week. Next week we'll be hearing about Obstable and a roundup of the year. Join us then. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.